And while you're looking for 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'll let you know that I did call my mom this morning. Um, I called her on Mother's Day weekend and politely asked her how she was. She said, okay, how are you? And that was my cue. I just started downloading everything there was about me and what I needed and asked her, ended the conversation with saying, will you please pray for me? And if you'd been standing there with a stopwatch, you would have noticed that the conversation was about three seconds about my mom and the rest of the time about me. Now, you would think a son who is 48 years old would be a little bit more mature, a little bit more focused on what his mom needs and, uh, and what's going on in her life. But uh, mom has that mom power. You know what I'm talking about? 48 years of demonstrated love and compassion for me. When she said, okay, how are you? I just couldn't hold back. It was a mom saying, I care about you, son. What do you need for, for me to do for you? Um, In case you're doing the math, you're sitting there doing the math and thinking 50 years, five decades of of kids calling me with their problems is a little overwhelming. I will tell you that I did send her flowers and told her to be looking for those, so she was grateful for their flowers. But uh, my mom uh, is praying for me now. I had about... uh, Oh, about 25 hours, I think, notice that I was going to be preaching today. So I'm going to need you to be praying for me as well as we go through tonight. Um, Mothers are incredible people. There was an NFL football player that was talking about his mother. He, He was talking about the very first touchdown pass he ever caught. He was 11 years old, and he was running with the ball, and he saw this blur out of the side of his vision there. He turned to see his mom coming out of the stands. She caught up with him out of the 50-yard line, outran him to the end zone, and stood there at the end zone saying, run, baby, run! Doesn't that sound like a mom? Another athlete, an Olympic diver, was talking about how he handles the pressure of international competition. He says he climbs the platform, he takes a deep breath, and he thinks to himself, if I really mess this up, at least my mom will still love me. And then he does his best. Uh, It is said that Winston Churchill was having a list of his teachers being compiled by a newspaper editor, and that newspaper editor presented him with that list of teachers, and he gave the list back saying, you have omitted to mention my greatest teacher of all, my mother. Can you imagine the man who was instrumental in winning World War II for the Allies, and he was giving credit to his mother for his education, for what he knew. Think about the influence, mothers, that you have, not just over your son or daughter, but over really the affairs of our nation and our world. When you think about a mother, you think about sacrifice and commitment. And hopefully we're all tonight grateful for our, and thankful for our mothers and their roles in our lives. You know, sometimes gratitude and thankfulness can be automatic, it can be easy, it can just kind of well up out of you, and sometimes it can be a lot of work. You kind of got to stop and think for a moment. Like that video made us think about what mom did for us the whole time we were growing up. A lot of times, she made it all about you, didn't she? And not about herself. One of the things that you can do to cultivate gratitude is is look at life through the eyes of another. And as we we look tonight into God's Word, we're going to take a look at life through the eyes of a mother. Motherhood is a, a wonderful role, and a lot of women do it with grace and finesse. Sometimes even mothers make it look easy, don't they? But it's not easy. It's a difficult, a very difficult assignment. And tonight we're going to take a look 
at what that, uh, what that assignment of motherhood looked like for a young lady who wanted to be a mother and was having difficulty with that whole process. This particular woman's difficulty came on the beginning of her motherhood. She desperately wanted children. Hannah could not have children. Her situation caused her extreme pain and difficulty. And if you think about the culture then, a woman who was married and could not have kids was just beside herself. It was, it was the one thing she wanted to be able to do in her culture, the one thing she wanted to be able to contribute, and, and Hannah could not. Maybe, maybe you're having some difficulty this morning or this evening. Maybe that's you today, having, having some burden in your heart for your family. Maybe you can't have children, or, or maybe you've lost a child. Maybe your heartbreak has come after having children. In a room this size, I'm sure there are women who are struggling. Their heart is breaking for their children right now. The demands, the decisions, um, how do we raise this child the best way we can? Maybe you're struggling with letting them grow up, becoming their own person, going through those difficult teenage years. Maybe you're struggling with them moving on. They're getting ready to come out of the house, or they've already made plans to leave for college or have been out of the house for a while, and and you're trying to figure out how to deal with that absence, with that void in your life. And maybe they've been um, out of the house for quite some time, like my mother. Her sons have been out of the house for a long time. We keep coming back with our problems, but we've been out of the house for a long time, and moms sometimes struggle with, how do I give advice or how do I invest in my adult children and yet not interfere? It's, It's kind of a delicate balance. So I want to ask, where are you today? Are you a mom that needs hope today? Someone here maybe has a mom who needs some hope and encouragement, and you could, you could maybe provide some of that. Someone who has uh, some difficulty, some trouble in your heart tonight. We're going to ask God to speak with you and speak to you. Will you bow with me in prayer? Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity we have tonight to be in your word that you would, um, through your Holy Spirit, be present here as we gather in your name, and that you would touch us with your word, your truth, your love, and God, that you would remind us of the blessing that our mothers have been for us. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, we read, Now there was a certain man of Remathiam Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. And he had a dad and a grandfather and great-grandfather whose names I can't pronounce. Verse 2, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. The man went up from this city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And also, two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? 
Am I not better to you than ten sons? We have a family here in the Bible. One of the things I like about the Bible is it leaves the warts in. You know what I mean? The, the good things, the bad things, the difficulties, the failures, the, the mistakes, it's, it's all right here. This is a real family. It's not somebody who's plastic or made up. These are real people with real, struggle, real struggles, faults and failures, just like me and just like us. The Bible doesn't address it directly here, but we can see the effects of polygamy. Two women married to the same man um, and some of the difficulties that come with that. We can see the practical reasons why God's plan for the family is one man and one woman for life. Elkanah um, is the husband here. His name is, uh, it means God created. And other than having too many wives, this seems to be a pretty decent fellow. He's taking his family to worship yearly. Um, he has, uh, he has provided that spiritual leadership in the home. Dads, um, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy to lay back and, and let the women take the lead, but, but sometimes dads need to take their families before the altar of God, and this is what this man was doing. It says in verse 3 that they went up yearly to worship and sacrifice, and it says to the Lord of hosts. It's the first time that name of God or that, that description of God appears in the Bible. It, it can be translated Lord Almighty, meaning he's Lord over all things. He has power over everything. And that's significant because of what Hannah is going to ask God to do for her. They would go to Shiloh. Shiloh was a place where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was a tent at that time. There was the Ark of the Covenant there, and they would go there to worship every year. And there would be a family feast that would follow. It was a terrible, painful, difficult time for Hannah. Her name means grace, and yet she had not had any kids at this time. Let's take a look at some of the, uh, the difficulty that Hannah was, was going through, and we can gain some, some courage and some insight into what God did for her. Um, in verses 5 and 6, she was struggling with why God allowed this. It says in verse 5 and again in verse 6 that the Lord had closed her womb. Sometimes, maybe you've experienced this, I've experienced this, God has done something in my life, or God could change something in my life and he's not, and I'm asking him and it's staying the same, and I ask him again and it stays the same, and one more time I go to prayer and it's still the same. Maybe you've experienced that. Hannah went through not just a few moments that it takes to read it, but she went through years of this, struggling with why God had allowed this. Have you ever asked that question, why God? Why is this happening to me? Have you ever had circumstances in your life that, that you wanted God to change, you wanted God to affect, and it just didn't seem like he was doing anything yet? Well, if that's your situation tonight, stay with us. We've got some hope for you. Not only was Hannah struggling with why God had allowed this, but Hannah was being provoked by other people in her life, specifically the other wife, Penina. In verses 6 and 7, we see that she had many children, and Hannah, of course, had none. And it literally calls Penina her rival, her enemy, her adversary. Can you imagine living in a family like that, where you had to constantly, every day, be reminded of your deficit, and somebody else, if it wasn't enough to see the children running around, somebody else would just go ahead and remind you of the difficult situation you're in and the, uh, and the deficit in your life. 
It says that she would irritate her and it would, it would provoke her bitterly. It would agitate her. You know, and during this trip, I'm sure this was going on throughout the year, but it was during this trip that it kind of became emphasized in, in Hannah's life. Kind of what holidays do sometimes, isn't it? It reminds us of what we would like things to be. Here was a time that should have been of joy and a, a time of celebration. And for Hannah, it was a time of difficulty. And holidays do that. Sometimes uh, a Mother's Day will come around and remind us of a mom that is, that is passed on. Or sometimes a holiday will come and remind us of a situation that we would like to have in our life. And everybody else is celebrating that situation, but we don't get to join in. And uh, there again, we see that Hannah was a real person, just like we are, living real life, just like we do. In a moment, we're going to get to see what Hannah does about this, this difficulty that she's suffering through. So she was struggling with the idea of God who had closed her womb, who had not given her what she had asked. She was struggling with her rival, who was sort of prodding her, provoking her, and irritating her. But she was also dealing with some relational problems connected to the hurt. In verse 8, we see that Elkanah was bothered by the sorrow of his wife. Guys, can you relate to this? You see your wife suffering. You love her. You want the best for her. And you want to change it. You want to fix it. But you just can't. You have to kind of just be there with her in the midst of it. Elkanah couldn't understand why she was so bothered by this. He was trying to give her reasons why she should not be so hurt and upset. Am I not enough for you? Guys, I would not recommend that phrase. Um, It's probably better for you to just be there with her and not try to fix it. Um, But maybe today you're struggling with some hurts and difficulties saying to God, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Or maybe there are some difficult people in your life, people that have caused you hurt and pain, people who are reminding you of the difficulty in your life, people that won't let you alone. Or maybe you also have a relational difficulty. Maybe there's a a relationship that's very close to you that's just not going well right now. And you wish it was different, and you try to make it different, and you're crying out to God, but it is what it is. Well, Hannah was right there with you. You're not alone. Let's take a look and see how Hannah responded. Let's take a look at verses 9 through 18, the response of a godly mother. In verse 9 we read, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. On top of all this, she's praying, and the priest, the high priest, is going to hassle her about being drunk. So Eli said to her in verse 14, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. 
Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So that time of prayer was a time of transformation for Hannah. It was a moving time for her. It was an emotional time for her. It was a life-altering time for her. And I want us to take a look at exactly what happened during this time of prayer that Hannah had before the Lord. First of all, there's a couple of things that you can think of that Hannah could have done besides go and pray. Hannah could have responded by taking matters into her own hands. Um, I'm guilty of that one. God, you're not doing this kind quickly enough or not doing it in the way I would like, so I'm just going to go ahead and take matters into my own hands and fix it my way. Hannah could have lashed out at Penina. She could have uh, returned insult for insult and gotten angry. Sometimes we do that. Hannah could have shut herself off from her husband. She could have just shut down. She could have even turned against God, become angry, and, and uh, just walked away from God. Maybe you're close to doing one of those things tonight or are doing one of those things tonight. You know, it's not too late to learn from what Hannah shows us in her prayer. So let's notice what Hannah did do. She was honest with God. In verse 10, the first part of verse 10, it says she was greatly distressed and bitter of soul. She came to God honestly. She didn't try to hide it. She didn't try to cover it. She didn't try to pretend all is well. Have you ever tried doing fake happy? You ever tried that? We do that in church because we don't want to break down in front of 300 people. Or maybe we do that because we don't want to, um, we just don't have time. When somebody says, how are you doing today? You just don't have time to download it all. It's a long story and it's involved and it's going to get emotional. So instead you do fake happy and you say, I'm okay. So fake happy works to make social settings a little bit easier, a little bit more comfortable, but it doesn't deal with what's in here, does it? When you want to deal with what's in here, You need to get honest, and you need to go before the Lord with it. Um, You can duck, and you can run, and you can avoid all you want, but things are not going to change in here until you get honest before the Lord. So Hannah was honest with God, and she cried out to God in verse 10, the second part. It says that she prayed to the Lord, and she wept bitterly. She had bitterness in her heart. And again, this is a real person. This is a real human being. Hannah was bitter. This was a difficult time for her. But she didn't lash out at God. She cried out to God. Do you hear the difference? She cried out. She just laid herself before the king of kings. Um, If you've ever experienced anger at God, you aren't the first one, and you probably won't be the last one. Um... Telling God you're angry at him is honest. Taking your anger out on God is something a little bit different. You see, if I shake my fist at God, he's not going to get scared, get off his throne so I can sit down and take over. It's just not going to work that way. But sometimes we think if we just sort of rage at God for a while, it'll help something. And really all it does is help you practice being better at rage. Hannah didn't do that. 
Hannah was bitter. She was having a difficult time. She may have even felt angry at God at times for not answering her prayer in all the years that she'd been praying it. But she didn't just have this this moment of rage before God. She just laid out her heart to God. She didn't lash out. She cried out. You know, I can tell God I'm confused, and that's honest. I can tell him I don't know what to do next. I can even tell him I don't have the strength to go ahead, and that's all honest. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to help me move forward is a thing called brokenness, which means you're in a place where you have just stopped trying to do it of yourselves, of your own strength. Brokenness means I don't understand God, I don't know why, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this, but I know you're still God, and I'm going to worship you as God. Brokenness means you're just at the end of yourself, and at the end of yourself, at the end of your own strength, is God's strength. Hannah was broken. She came to the Lord at the end of herself and just laid it all out before God. In verse 11, we see that she submitted herself to God. She recognized that God was the Lord of hosts. This is a second time in the Word of God that this description, His name, has been used. The Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, the one who is over all, has power over all resources, can do all things. So even though Hannah is is having a situation in her life where her situation, her circumstances are not changing, she still believes that God can change this. You are still Lord Almighty. You are God of all gods. You are Lord of lords and King of kings. And I will speak my prayer. I will bring my worship before you. She humbly requests God's favor And that's different than saying, I deserve your attention, God. I deserve uh, a change. I deserve your action in my life. She just asked humbly and with brokenness, God, will you have mercy on me? Look at my affliction. Remember me. This isn't a I deserve prayer. This is a have remembrance. Remember me and have grace and mercy on me. And then in her prayer, she makes a a vow, a commitment. And a Nazarite vow means to be separate, to consecrate yourself to God's purposes. It's like the word holy. It means set apart for God's use. Something special, not something mundane. Something of God's purpose and God's use. And she not only dedicates herself that way, but she says to God, I will dedicate my unborn son to you in that same way. I think it's... It's interesting, it's telling, it's, it's challenging, it's humbling that she would say, the one thing that I want, God, the one thing that I would pray to you about, the one thing that I would continue to petition heaven for is a son. And if you were to give me that son, I'll give him right back to you. And moms, you know how precious a son or a daughter is. Can you imagine what this, this young woman was saying? What the, the depth of her prayer, the honesty, the... The, the humility that she's expressing to God. God, if, if you were to honor me with a son, I would give him right back to you all the days of his life. You know, there may be some of you moms and dads that are here tonight and your hearts are breaking for your children. I would imagine a room like this, there's probably more than one. Your hearts are literally right now breaking for your children. This day, this, this Mother's Day, can remind you of of what you don't have and and the way you wish it was, and you're just aching 
I wonder if the example of Hannah would help you tonight. That she would give herself completely to God. That she would lay herself on the altar of God with, with no strings attached. God, I'm yours. And were you to give me a child, he or she would be all yours. Sometimes parents, we struggle with trying to protect our children, to try to guide them, to try to get them to do the right things and think the right things and be around the right people. And we're so busy trying to corral them and, and, and use our strength and our wisdom to protect them. And that's what we're there to do, but we can't do it alone. The best thing you could do for that child is set them on the altar too. That Nazarite vow is, I give my child to you, God. I put my child in your hands. Your hands are better than mine. Your hands are stronger than mine. You are Lord Almighty. You are God of everything. And I'm going to give you my child. And you know what? God loves that child more than you do. And he wants that child to have peace and joy and, and blessing in their life more than you do. If you can imagine such a thing, he does. Even before Hannah's child was conceived, she was handing him over to God. That's a good time to start. That's a real good time to start. Before she was even pregnant with this child, she was dedicating him to the service of God. Not only did Hannah submit herself to God, she opened herself up to others. In verses 15 and 16, we see that Eli observed her prayer. He he saw her lips moving, but no sound was coming out. And his assumption, of course, was that she was intoxicated. Not the best thing to lead with there, Eli. Um, You could have been a little bit more compassionate at that time. But of all all the trouble that was on Hannah's heart, she didn't lash back at him. She didn't complain about God. She just simply said, I'm really hurting here, and I need God to listen to my prayer. And when Eli saw his mistake, he answered and said in verse 17, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. Maybe you're a mom or a dad experiencing great pain in your life. Someone else maybe here that has been hurt in some way. I wonder if the example of Hannah's prayer would speak to you tonight. A prayer where she was honest with God, where she cried out to God rather than lashed out at God, where she submitted herself and her child to God, just laid it on the altar and said, here I am, broken, I'm yours. And then she opened up to others. She didn't have to talk to Eli about her problem, but she She said, this is what's going on in my life. And we see that Eli now becomes involved and starts to bless her and be uh, someone that supports her. Mom, Dad, you can't do this all by yourself. You may think you are the only one going through this. You may look around the room and say, I am the only one experiencing this. I'm the only one having this kind of trouble. I'm the only one with this kind of bitterness and difficulty in my heart. It's just not true. As a pastor and as a counselor, I've seen so many broken people. And they look really good in social situations. You'd never know anything was going on. But when they get behind a closed door with someone they trust and they just begin to download, there is hurt after hurt after hurt pouring out of them. 
It's in this room. Maybe you can be a support for someone's hurting because you've been there before. Maybe you can reach out to somebody and say, don't do what Eli said, are you drunk or something? You could do something a little nicer than that and say, hey, you know what, how are you doing? Are you okay? Is there something I can pray for you about? How can I support you? How can I be your friend? And not just do it in a, in a, a flippant kind of way, but in a way that really means I'm there for you and I will pray for you. We also see in verses 19 through 28, that God gives hope to mothers. You know, it's interesting, um, when you can read the end of the story, it sort of changes the way you, you perceive things when you're walking through the story. I've read this story many times before, and when I was reading her prayer, I already knew how it would turn out. You know what? She didn't. When she was praying before the Lord, she wasn't sure how it would all turn out. That's exactly how I live life. When I pray, I don't know how God's going to answer. I don't know when he's going to answer. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. All I know is that God is God. And I just have to give him trust. But God has hope for you tonight, just like he had for Hannah. As she gave herself to him and left herself in his hands. And let's just take a look at what God did. In verse 19, at the end of verse 19, we see that God is paying attention to her life. It says, the Lord remembered her. What an amazing phrase, isn't it? I've been in places in my life where I thought, you know, God, theologically, I know that you didn't forget me, that you didn't forget I was here, that, that you're unaware that I'm going through these circumstances, but it sure looks like it. What, I'm, what I know in my head about God and what I'm feeling in my heart are two different things. But here it says in Scripture that the Lord remembered her. And that gives me great hope. Because no matter what I am going through, God sees it. No matter how I am struggling, God knows. And God has the power to do what he knows needs to be done. What he knows needs to be done in the time that he knows that it's going to be right. An amazing statement, the Lord remembered her. You know, it takes less than 15 minutes to read these two chapters but we remember that Hannah had been struggling with this for years. And I know I've heard stories of some parents that have struggled for years over their children. Children that have walked away from God. Children that are bringing destruction into their lives. Children that are breaking your heart and going the way that you wish they wouldn't. For years, you've carried this burden for years. And Hannah is just like you. She had carried this burden for years. Sometimes if God delays, if circumstances become dire, it seems to us that God has forgotten us, that he's walked away, that he's just kind of leaving us off to ourselves. It's in reality that God had not forgotten Hannah, nor had he abandoned her. He was waiting for the proper time. And the scripture even talks about the proper time. And in this case, the proper time included Hannah's prayer of brokenness. And submission. Now, I'm not trying to create a recipe for you. I'm not trying to create a, if you do this, then, then God has to give you that. Sometimes God says no to our requests. Sometimes our requests depend on another human being's will. Our children have a will of their own. But what God is saying, the principle you can derive from this, this example of Hannah, is that when you give yourself to God, he wants to bless you with himself. He'll do it in his way or his time, but he will bless you with himself. You can trust God's timing. In verse 20, 
It says, so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. All her time of waiting was over. Isn't that an amazing thing? Think of the day when, when all the waiting is over, when it's okay. We have God right here, right now, in the midst of our circumstances. But think about a time when God's answer comes, and it had come for Hannah in the right time, in the right way. It was after years, but it was there. This, this, uh, this word, in the right time or in the, in the process of time, is a direct reference to her, her gestation, her nine months of pregnancy, but it also is bigger. It means at the time that she, or the, the time that God knew it would be right for her to bear this son. You can trust God's timing, and he can help you if you surrender. In verses 21 and through, 20, and through 28, I encourage you to read that later. She made a promise to God, and she really kept it. She really kept it. Have you made promises to God that you uh, afterwards kind of thought um, different of and weren't sure whether you really should have made that promise? I have. Have you ever tried to um, uh, negotiate with God? If you do this for me, I'll, uh, I'll do that for you. Or if you give me this, I'll give you that, that kind of a thing. You know, Hannah really wasn't doing this bargaining thing that sometimes we engage in. She was giving herself to God and letting him decide what the outcome would be. You can, you can read about that kind of attitude in Matthew 6, verse 33, where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. See, Hannah wasn't bargaining with God. She was just saying, God, you have all of me. This is what I would like you to do, but it's your will, not mine. And that's when the baby Samuel appeared. God gave her the child that she had been praying for for so many years, and she dedicated him. She, she was true to her word. She gave him back to God. God restored Hannah's hope, and he blessed her with the desire of his heart, and he used that little boy Samuel as one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Think of that, moms. Think of that. That your child could have such an influence on the world we here, several millennia later, read about what Samuel did. And we read about what Hannah did in her faith. And she's an encouragement to us. And Samuel was a, a voice, God used his voice to talk to Israel about what he wanted to do with them. What an amazing legacy that that mom had in her son Samuel. So again, um, I don't want I, I to gloss over this. There may be some of you who are truly hurting tonight. Maybe you're someone who wish you had a family, who wish you had children, but you just can't. Maybe there's someone here that you have a, a spouse or a child that that relationship is just difficult right now, and you're not sure how it's going to turn out. It's looking pretty dire. Maybe... Uh, Maybe you're trusting God for something that you just haven't seen and you've been praying for a long time and, and you're feeling like maybe just giving up. Maybe you're someone here who needs to hear God speak to your heart today through Hannah. The first thing I would ask you is this. Are you all his? What do I mean by that? All his. Your sin, your failures, 
your mistakes, the embarrassing part of you? Do you just lay yourself before God as you are right now? So many people feel like they can't come to God until they've cleaned themselves up a little bit, until they've gotten things a little bit more on track. I'll go to church when things are better, or I will start praying, or I will start doing these things when I, when I can kind of clean this all up, when it gets a little bit better. That's the same thing as somebody who's diagnosed with cancer, laying down on their, their living room uh, coffee table, cutting themselves open, doing the surgery that it takes to get the cancer out, sewing themselves back up, and then going back to the surgeon and saying, what a good job I have done. Aren't you amazed at how good of a surgeon I am? It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to make you whole. And repentance means that you come to him as you are. You change your mind about the way you are going. You stop walking away from God and you start walking to him. Where are you walking tonight? Are you walking toward him? Are you walking with him? Or are you walking away from him? You can change your mind. You can change your direction. You can turn toward Christ tonight, and be all his, just as Hannah was all his. I'll also ask you tonight, are your children all his? Are they really all his? Are they half his and half yours? Are they, is it kind of a combination? Can you set your children on the altar tonight and have the peace that the God of the universe, the one who is all-powerful and almighty, can hold them in his hands. That's maybe the kind of peace that some of us need tonight. And then lastly, are your circumstances or your desires all his? Sometimes... um, I I can have this tendency to treat God like a genie in a lamp, and when I pray, I'm just kind of rubbing the lamp and saying, God, I I need my wishes now. Um, Really, a prayer in brokenness is, God, I'm, I'm all yours. And I wish you would change this right now, and the sooner the better, but I'm all yours. And if this is the way it's got to be, then I'm going to worship you as the God of heaven, the God who is in charge of it all, and I'm going to be yours. Is God the God of your circumstances and your desires tonight? You can tell Him honestly how you feel. You can tell Him honestly where you're at and what you want and what you need. You can pour out your heart to God. But in the end, is He still God? Even if He chooses not to grant your request tonight, is He still God? Will you worship Him as such? It's honest to say, God, I don't understand and I don't like this. But it's brokenness to say, God, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. And I trust you anyway. And you are the God Almighty. And you're all I have. And you're all I want. And you're all I need. And I love you. Will you bow with me in prayer? Father, I want to thank you tonight for the example of Hannah. I'm sure she did not know that people thousands of years later would be hearing about her story. She's just a a real person. A woman who had struggles and difficulties just like we have struggles and difficulties. And you used her for your glory and you blessed her 
with a child, the desire of her heart. And you did great things in her and through her. And God, we're just normal people here tonight. We're just people with difficulties and troubles and and struggles and mistakes. And we need you. We need you to touch our hearts and make us different. We need you to fill us with the peace that passes understanding. God, we need you, your strength. We need to be on your altar tonight. God, I pray if there be any here tonight that need you as Lord and Savior, that need to make that, to drive that stake in the ground, have that, that day of surrender, repentance, and pursuing you, that this night would be the night. God, I thank you for our moms. I thank you for their sacrifice and their love for us. How much they gave, we, we'll probably never know. But thank you, God, for blessing us through them and blessing us with them. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.